Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? All right, we have TK Bay back on the show, uh, and it's funny. I seem to have recurring guests for recurring segments, and uh, the last time TK was on, or one of the last times, I was talking about how I wanted to get off social media because it was just doing some stuff to my mental health. Well, as it turns out, we're talking about social media again in the middle portion of this episode. Uh, we don't often get political on the show. It's not that we did on this one, but we are talking a little bit about this executive order that apparently President Trump signed regarding Twitter and other media platforms. Uh, we give a few thoughts about it, whether or not it's censorship and whatnot, and of course, you are free to let us know what you think as well if you're watching the IGTV version of this episode, or if you're listening to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app, you can let us know what you think via tweets, uh, <laughs> ironically, via tweets, uh, at PocketNow and hashtag PNWeekly. You can also tag me at JVTechT. Uh, the main portion of this episode, though, the very final half of it, is all about the Sony Xperia 1 Mark II, or as I call it, the Xperia 1 2-2. Wait, no. The Xperia 1ii. That's what it was. Uh, so this is a very interesting device. Sony is actually pushing a lot of stuff over the last week. Not only did they have this particular phone in the hands of a lot of reviewers, but they also put out the Sony ZV-1. We don't talk too much about that little vloggy camera, but it's just an idea of just how much uh, Sony's really pushing for some of their releases over the last number of days. So the Xperia 1 Mark II is in TK's hands, and he gives us a rundown on why he... You can hear it in his voice, honestly. How much he loves this phone that unfortunately he kind of has to uh return already if you're new here you can follow the podcast make sure you subscribe to it using whatever app you're using right now but also don't forget to check out pocket now on instagram where we do these ig lives which is actually what is running while we are recording the audio version of the podcast so if you're looking for a live version of the podcast make sure you follow pocket now and at the end of every week we do these recordings the recording is also put up on our IGTV, so make sure you get over to at pocket now so you can watch it if you're looking for a video version of the podcast and with all of that said, we're going to go ahead and get TK onto the show, and let's have a chat. All right, okay. there we go. Uh, immediately getting into the show, we had, a, we had a, a few minutes to get things set up. Uh, I had the OnePlus Bullets Wireless Z as my earbud for the IG Live, but I guess the audio was cutting out just a little bit, which is funny to me, because as a neckband-style earbud... I would think that the audio sounds better because it's closer to my mouth. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, so supposed to. That's the reason I wanted to do it. Um, you already have a review on these, odd, right? Uh, yeah, I've had them for... They're sitting somewhere over on the left. I've had them for about a few weeks now. I, I picked them up as soon as they came out. I was very intrigued as to what OnePlus is able to offer for 50 bucks, basically. <laughs> or actually even uh, less if you're in India. It's 25 bucks in India. Whoa, really? Okay. OnePlus does <laughs> yeah, some really good stuff out in India. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it, it's the same thing, though, with the even with the uh, OnePlus 8 and the 8 Pro. Uh, the price has both, all, all of the stuff they launched at the same time were adjusted for the Indian market. So, uh, yeah, uh, I was actually, there's some goods and bads. I mean, obviously, it's a different experience to what you're looking for from standard OnePlus bullets, but... Uh, we'll get into that a little bit uh, as you tell me what you think. How long, how long have you had yours? Oh, just days. Like, I think it came in at the end of last week. So probably at the most has been about a week. I, I like them. And I know that people have these differing opinions when it comes to the neckband style. But there's a certain, mm -hmm. I guess, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Like, there's a certain sense of safety that I have with them. Because as much as I love Absolutely. truly wireless earbuds, if they fall out, 
they're they're not lost forever, but they can fall out. And at least that won't be the case with these. I've had as much as I love two wireless headphones. Uh, yeah, once one of them, like last time I was I was doing a run and I was using the Sony's, which is one of my favorite ones. And uh, literally, man, it dropped out of my ear and it just bounced. And all I'm like running after it, trying to find it before it goes into a place where I can't get to it. So. Uh, for exercise, I think uh, the style that the wireless bullets are, either the Z, the 2, or even the first gen, I feel like are a little bit better, especially from a security standpoint. They're there, you know they're there, and um, you know overall, actually, you know they're not bad. And if you want to turn them off, you just put them together, and you don't have to worry about putting them in any pockets or anything like that. So always a convenience. Yeah, um, right before you got onto the call again, I mentioned that the um, switching between two different paired devices is super easy because you just double tap that one button. It's That's actually really cool. I love that. It is absolutely yeah no um, and I've uh, that was one like one of my number one questions on the video was like how easy is it to switch and as I showed it to people like I uh, did the S twenty Ultra and I did it with the OnePlus Eight Pro super simple super easy works the exact same way with the PC double tap as long as the last two pair of devices it's super nice um, and it's really easy especially when you're trying to do you know like work and play at the same time so it's really cool yeah definitely I have it with this phone right now. Because I'm trying to get like the best OnePlus experience, but I have it with this phone and my desktop, so I just go kind of back and forth with them. So yeah, that was exactly what I was doing, and I was wondering why like I couldn't hear you when you first came into the call, and then I realized oh it's not paired right, so I get click click, good to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember yeah, which nice. one? Now, next next version, we want them to give us like an indicator, you know, one and two, so you know which device it's connected to. So but, yeah, yeah, that would be a good really idea. Good. Um, a uh, ten, uh, the, the other thing that I thought was so interesting about these earbuds was the warp charging. I finally, uh, I finally started charging them because I haven't been using them all day, every day. So finally mm -hmm. yesterday I started to run out of battery and I did a test and I think, I think I filmed it. Uh, I think I, I did film it for like an eventual video that I'm going to do, but I literally gave it 10 minutes and it told me it went all the way up to 100% after 10 minutes, which I know is wrong, but I think it just thinks it was charged really well. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, it's, it's, the battery life has been great. And then the 10 minute charge oh, is just really awesome. No, no, I, the, I think what they're for 50 bucks, if you think about it, as far as a two pair, well, as far as a pair of headphones are not true wireless. Um, I think it's a great value and for the feature set that you're getting there, especially with the low latency, when it comes to gaming, I feel like it's something that a lot, a lot of gamers will appreciate. Um, but it, the one thing I wanted to let you know is that switching feature is also present on the Bullets 2. So it's not unique to the Bullets Z. So the oh, Bullets okay. Wireless 2 also have the exact same switching. Because if you look at them aesthetically, they copied the Bullets 2 at basically a lower price point. So that for the most part, double press on the Bullets 2, you'll get the exact same function. Oh, okay. Well, kind of yeah. getting warmed up by talking about the OnePlus Bullets Wireless Z. Uh, everybody welcome TK back to the show. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As usual with these shows, we just do our our first check-in. Uh, it's been a little while since I feel like we've had you on. And one funny thing about, um, I was joking with Thunder E about uh -huh. how whenever he's on the show, it's usually because, or coincidentally, it's because Microsoft had some sort of announcement and he's like the PC guy and whatnot. So he ends up coming on. Like I just get the inclination to have him on when Microsoft does something. And then I yep. realized that one of our topics a little bit later is going to do with social media. And the last time you were on, we talked about how I basically quit certain forms of social media because I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's it seems like a recurring subject for some reason that uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know we'll keep circling back every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, indeed. But yeah, how, how have things been on your end? I mean, we've seen your show on uh, on Saturday mornings, uh, and yeah, you know, you've been doing some great stuff over on your channel. Like, what have you been up to lately? 
you know, actually, I've, I've been getting a little bit more consistent as to the to, to the work on the channels on both the Arabic and the English side. Um, and the Saturday morning show actually is consistent now. So I've been doing it for at least about a couple of months now. And I like it. It's very, very much a, uh, I call it like a therapy session, hanging out with some friends, just chit-chatting and just kicking it. Um, and actually tomorrow's show, uh, Juan Carlos is going to be on as well. We're going to be talking Xperia, uh, you know, impressions after a week. Um, so always, always fun. Nice. A lot of cool people. And, you know, obviously I see you in the comments as well, which is really cool to have you, uh, you know, uh, jump into the conversation as well. And um, uh, just been playing with the, uh, which I'm, I'm hoping we're going to get a chance to talk about this guy, you know. Indeed, I just I actually just put mod. it into the comments right now that that this show is basically about the Xperia One Two, the Xperia One Mark Two. I remember Mark on your show, or it wasn't one show, where you guys were talking about how, um, like, exactly what is the term that you want to use? <laughs> it's it's known as the Xperia One Mark Two, Mark Two, but not I've Mach seen it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is not Mark. So, but what you see essentially is everybody calls it Xperia One Two. So mm -hmm. it's. The, the 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 moniker kind of just drops. So it's Xperia One version two. So we have version one, and then we have version two, hence the two, and that's how we get. <laughs> you know what happens when you have a, a P40 Pro sitting on the table and it thinks I'm talking to her. So the assistant Celia keeps popping up. But yeah, oh. uh, uh, this week has been a pleasant pleasant week of playing around with some amazing hardware from Sony. So we'll get a chance to talk a little bit more about that, of course. Yeah, uh, I think the, the 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 running the running theme of that segment later when we talk about the Xperia is that Sony's been making a lot of moves this week, and there's yeah. even more to come because I, I woke up this morning to a to an Instagram post of the PS5, and they said that they're going to do the announcement on June 4th, and I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Well, maybe not an announcement, but they're going to give more info on the well, PS5. Well, yeah, no, no, it, you got that. You got their new vlogging camera, and it's, we're still mm -hmm. actually haven't heard much about the uh, the Xperia Pro. That's also another oh, yeah. device they talked about back in February that they're being very quiet about. And that one's even more more of a prosumer type of a device. And I feel like the Xperia One Mach Twos, well, the Xperia One Two is definitely, in my opinion, hitting all the spots that we wanted out of the first version. So very excited. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mentioned gaming for a little bit. Uh, one thing that yeah. you've been really up to lately has been gaming devices, and you know, you you got your hands on some dope gaming phones pretty early <laughs> on, and I finally, finally got mine. So we have the Red Magic Five G and the Black Shark Three Pro. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Come on, let's let's match. Let's like right there. Hey, baby. <laughs> there we go. This is the thumbnail right here. Um, exactly. You know, I have to say, though, like, I've noticed there's been a trend, and I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that this this is a fact. So this is what's been happening. I am not the one who gets the cool colors. <laughs> like, there's a we dope color to. of this phone out there. <laughs> yes, and it's the same thing. I thought for some reason I was going to get that, you know, nice, shiny one. Um, they're releasing a, a limited red one that's coming up in the next few days, so you're going to be able to start picking up the red one. But yeah, we're not getting... I mean, you got a cooler color, though, on the Black Shark 3. I got the, the straight black one. And I think you have the Pro, which, by the way, I actually have the standard mon uh, model. So I have the ah. 3, you have the 3 Pro. So mine doesn't have those triggers that pop up for you. Oh. Um, I, I didn't jump in too much into the chat last week during your live stream. But yeah, uh, they reached out to let me know that they could possibly get me a Pro. Um, and in the meantime, the, that they want to be able to take the, the standard 3 and maybe send it to another reviewer. And so... I'm hoping that they will, because I'd like to check out those triggers, man. I'd like to be able to see yeah, how you game. It is it is super fun. Like I'll just do it real quick. Um, if I can just get out of Google Calendar. So 
turn on the shark space and you can kind of hear that and then if i go to i'm using dolphin emulator right now i'm trying to play um <laughs> wind waker so <laughs> uh but yeah if i hit that and it just comes right up like that and it's so cool it's literally that, the that coolest thing about this a feature phone. Yep. Yeah, that well, alone is a feature for sure. Exactly. QHD, 90 hertz display, 7.1 inch display there, massive battery. Can't ask for any more. I mean, and, and of course, pop-up triggers, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, what's the spec on the regular Black Shark 3? I, I don't remember what the... Uh, it, it's a slightly display. smaller display, 1080p at 90 hertz. So we have a slight... Battery size wasn't that much difference between the two, but it was mostly just that it was a 1080p 90 as opposed to a QHD 90. That's the biggest difference. And the one that you have is a 7.1, which is a, mine's about 6.8. Yeah. So slightly smaller. Uh, but I felt like for me, as far as a gaming phone, a dedicated gaming phone for the price point, can't really complain too much. But yeah. This thing definitely. is big though. Like I have to say, They're, it's a big phone. Yeah, but I, and I feel like for gaming devices, I think we want them to be big, right? Because you don't you want that real estate so you can get yourself immersed into that. And um, the other thing I've been playing with, which is surprisingly not really, I mean, it is marketed somewhat as a gaming phone, but the Xperia One Mach Two has uh, actually some really cool gaming features that I feel like a lot of people are excited about, especially the form factor, that twenty one by nine aspect ratio. A wider yeah. display makes the control sit on the side with a bigger display in the center for the game. So. Really All cool. right. Uh, make sure you keep that in mind for a little bit later. I wanted to get yeah. your thoughts, though, because you have had the Red Magic 5G for a little bit longer than I have. Actually, quite a bit yeah. longer than I have, I think. Um, and I had this thought that I just keep thinking every time I'm using that phone. It's a phone where Red Magic or really just anybody looks at it and they just go, you know what? Why not? Why not put like a fan in there? Why not put the air triggers on there? And why not make this a 144 hertz freaking display? Like it's... This this phone is an exercise in Android overkill, and I think I love it. <laughs> I I absolutely, man, absolutely, because no other manufacturer since the announcement. So you know, back in the day, remember, but we were in, in Maui together, um, you know, at, obviously together, but you know, at a show. Uh, but yes, <laughs> the um, the biggest thing that we heard was the fact that you know the Snapdragon eight sixty five was going to be able to support one hundred and forty four hertz. We already knew that the eight fifty five could support one twenty. We saw that with the ROG Phone two, and then, you know, and then since then it went kind of quiet for a while. Nobody talked about it. We saw you know so Samsung coming out with the one twenty. We know obviously OnePlus is able to do it, but then Red Magic kind of snuck in right there. It's like you know what. <laughs> hold my beer you know and then let me show you what i can do and then let me give it to you at a much lower price than any of you guys can even match with um i think they're doing a really good job in the sense of what they're what they're offering as far as the feature set uh i feel like the overall experience that we're getting with the red magic 5g is pretty much centric around gaming so i wouldn't really recommend this for anybody else that's thinking about it for anything other than gaming and for that yeah. it does a great job um and the list of games that are supporting 144 now are even getting more and more. We're seeing more of them being supported. Uh, a lot more of the games also supporting 120 hertz. I pushed out a review for that one not that long ago. Gaming, Actually, I compared both the Red Magic 5G and the uh, Black Shark 3. Really good gaming device for both. but uh, you know, And both have their own strengths and weaknesses, of course. But I like it. So what... <laughs> it's funny because I saw, I saw very... I saw what I thought was a very... Um, astute observation by I, I forget who it was uh, and i apologize for not being able to credit it but they were saying that with fortnite now becoming uh it fortnite supports 90 hertz for uh, 90 hertz frame rate or 90 mm -hmm. 90 frames per second i should say on uh phones like the one plus eight and the one plus eight pro mm -hmm. yeah. um what i find interesting about that is i'm looking at my computer monitor right here 
I'm not even anywhere close to that. And I feel like a ton of people out there who don't have those high refresh rate monitors aren't experiencing it. And yet here we are with phones that are giving people that experience. And I find that so interesting that it's sort of like pushing the innovation a little. We we have to. We have to be able to actually... I mean, when, when you get, a, obviously, powerful enough devices, big enough displays, um, the 60 hertz or the 30 frames per second, you know, the 30 hertz or 60 hertz refresh rate on a, on a game, especially like Fortnite, where it's very much a motion-sensitive game, you want to be able to get that smooth graphics. You want to be able to basically push the limits of what you're able to get there. And of course, we've seen devices at 120, 144 hertz, but then we were kept at 60 frames per second. So it's like we're losing that, you know, overhead potential. Um, and I'm really happy to see that we're seeing, you know, higher refresh rate on the OnePlus 8 and 8 Pro because A, these are popular devices. B, these are pushing the limit as far as speed. We're talking super fast internals. And of course, now we're obviously supporting 90 hertz. So for me as an experience, uh, the main monitor that I have behind me here, this is a 60 hertz refresh rate, but the one right behind me there is 144. Gaming needs to be at 144 on a PC <laughs> to enjoy it. Hands down, if you're not playing at 100, at least at least 100, uh, let's say 120 or 144, you're not playing at the right level. You're missing out a lot. Uh, and of course, huh. one of the biggest thing that I'm really looking forward to is that that G9 that you and I have been talking about. Oh my God! Yep. I want to be able so to get you're, that. So you're in the market. Yeah, you're in the market for a new monitor, and I've never really experienced PC gaming on that level. So that's why I'm yeah. really interested to see it on like the Red Magic to really wonder like you know where i am with it uh, to be fair though the black shark 3 pro and th- okay the game that i've been playing the most lately is call of duty mobile and it's still only yep. at uh, i think it's only at 60 still like it it's hasn't capped at higher. 60 frames yeah no it hasn't gone uh, sadly it's the same thing like PUBG mobile for the most part yeah so I'm, i haven't really gotten to that point yet where i'm actually really experiencing it and i will say i'm sorry to any of the fans out there i just can't get into fortnite i can't it's such a I, th- there are certain there are certain elements of that game that I just can't wrap my head around. Like on the one hand, I'm running around trying to defeat other opponents, but at the same time, I'm expected to build things, and I'm like, this is too much stuff all at once. <laughs> it it's a for me. It, I'm personally more of a PUBG and Call of Duty type style game. I like more yeah. um, it, true, more realistic type of an experience. And I think uh, although I do play Fortnite mostly as, as testing and so on, uh, my son's been basically venturing that. So he covers Fortnite. I cover PUBG Mobile, Call of Duty. Uh, you know, any kind of uh, first-person shooter that's more realistic and so on, that it requires more, not necessarily building, but, you know, just tactic and, and uh, basically just go at it and keep going and going and going and going and going and get it done. Um, I actually just pushed out a video of uh, about an hour and a half worth of gameplay of uh, PUBG Mobile on the on the Xperia 1 uh, Mach 2. So uh, I'm checking out some new features again, more gaming stuff. And I, I really, I really enjoy what we're getting in 2020 on smartphones when it comes to gaming we're truly becoming mobile the graphics are getting better as you said 90 hertz refresh rate it's it's actually uncalled for because if you think about it most other devices that play fortnite are stuck at 30 frames per second i mean if you just even if you just turn on other devices that are even flagships so really happy really happy that we're seeing more good mobile stuff but yeah i need a i need to kind of switch from having these two displays and have a nice ultra wide you know yeah, I think I think I'm gonna be 
coming into an ultra wide kind of soon. I mean, like I, I mentioned that I have uh, a new desktop here that I'm kind of testing out, but at the same time, just thoroughly enjoying. So hopefully yeah. I'll get that monitor. Um, I'll get that monitor upgrade just so I can really enjoy it properly. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, that Definitely. would do it for our check-in. Uh, we are actually going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, so for the audio side of things, enjoy this little break and we'll see you after that. This is this is an interesting topic, and uh, the reason why I wanted to bring it up is because it does have sort of a tech angle. Uh, we mm-hmm. don't usually get very political on this show, and we still won't really. Like, you know, stances and whatnot, whatever your affiliation might be, that's not the point of what we're about to talk about. Um, I would just be upfront and say that this week has been tough. News around the yeah. world has been very hard to watch and to fathom and to, to think about. Um, with that said, I do want to mention, especially for the audio side, if you are in your podcasting app and you are listening to this podcast, um, head into the show notes. I've added a couple of, uh, links specifically for the George Floyd situation that is happening in Minnesota, just for the Memorial fund and also for a change.org petition that I think if you are, if you're feeling like you want to figure out what you can do to hopefully help this terrible situation that's going on, um, Please do uh, check those out if you have been searching for resources. Now, for this upcoming story, though, we're not really talking about that, but we are going to talk about this whole thing about Twitter and what is going on uh, with the current administration and what um, President Trump, let's say, is trying to do with this executive order. Now, again, uh, we're not trying to be too political with, uh, with all of this. And at the same time, I will admit that I don't know everything about legalese and law and all of that uh we're going off of what information uh, we have seen like from other websites i have a few places uh uh pulled up right now but i guess my main question right now and to recap anybody who hasn't really to recap anybody who, who doesn't really know what's going on um twitter as a platform started to add certain markers on certain tweets specifically uh specifically one of them was one by uh by donald trump that provided more resources to get information about things like um, mail-in voting and whatnot. So it's adding a link that says, get the facts about this, get the facts about COVID-19, get the facts about something. And it may or may not be something that is very widespread, but of course, the most publicized one is that specific tweet by Donald Trump. Now, Twitter has made it, uh, has, has expressed that they are looking to uh, provide resources like this for some time, and this was our first time actually seeing it. Um, I guess what ended up happening after that is that Donald Trump was, uh, he signed an executive order that it's still drafted, it's still unclear just how enforceable it is, but it might lift some protections for tech companies and social media companies, especially like Twitter, that protect them from liability based upon the content that's posted on their platform. Content, by the way, which means Donald Trump's tweets, yours and my tweets, all of that. So the question that a lot of people are asking is that, especially in the age of social media, where literally anything that you can say can be blasted out to literally everybody on a platform like Facebook and Twitter, um, adding extra links and information I don't know, like if even if it's fact checking, if you want to use the word fact checking, I guess the question is like, is that the platform taking a stance? And even then, is that platform censoring something? 
by providing the other side of the story or other sides of the story. So I guess I'll just start with that and wonder what your thoughts are. So they're not necessarily blocking the text, right? They're not actually limiting its access. They're not blocking any of that information. So in that in that sense, when I think about censoring, I think like you know, limiting access, removing access, or uh, not allowing people to see it. Those things aren't being done here. What the information that they're doing, obviously, is just providing more of a context to the statement that was made. Um, is that a form of censorship? It, it only applies if somebody actually clicks the link, right? So if you're reading that tweet and you get the message out of it and that's all you need and you move away, that's something that you're you're obviously fully capable of doing. The link doesn't automatically open up if you see the tweet. Uh, and it's only available for somebody that wants to learn more that it is available there and it is below the actual message. So I guess in a way, it's not really censoring it. It's providing context, as you said, and it's only available if you choose to select it as a user, as a, as a, you know, either if you follow the person or you obviously you're looking on the subject, uh, it's something that actually you're entitled to be able to select or ignore. So at the end of the day, it's mostly a context situation, not necessarily censorship. I don't think it's censoring the original tweet because as we actually saw, the, the tweets are still there. Uh, the information in there hasn't been changed and they're not necessarily speaking directly in response. So it's not like they're responding to his tweet. It's just context. So at the end of the day, the, the, the approach that we're seeing here as far as trying to limit or open up the liability to the company, I mean, Twitter didn't really post this tweet. They didn't actually make it available. Uh, they didn't the you know the again the, it's a and I don't think it's specifically done to a specific person. It's supposed to be rolling out to almost everybody that's making statements and so on. So it's not something that is limited. It's just not available on everybody's tweets. And we usually use it on a daily basis. I you know I, I watch. I'm, I'm on Twitter basically more than I'm on any of my other platforms. <laughs> and uh, so it's it's something that we have to kind of understand that at the end of the day, context is everything. And you know, people make statements. And if you want to learn more, you have the option now. And that's something to appreciate, but not necessarily a censorship type of an experience. Yeah, and I, I, I guess, I, I the terminology for all of this, I think, is where a lot of people's upset is coming from because to use terms mm -hmm. like fact check it like there's always this implication whenever somebody tries to put out an opinion or tries to put out something that they believe is fact uh that mm -hmm. somebody might have a contradictory opinion or at the very least might have information that contradicts what you try to put out there like that is mm -hmm. literally what a fact check is but i i do feel like there's a much deeper and we talked about this the last time we talked about social media is that there's this much deeper rooted problem of you know discourse is not censorship. And while yeah. there is a platform like Twitter that's trying to provide information, even if that information is contradictory to that tweet, I don't think that's bias. I think that's discourse. And that's 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 the reason why I think that this is such an interesting situation because on the other hand, this executive order lifting these uh, protections for Twitter and for Facebook and for other companies of the sort, uh, it would mean that the company is liable for its users' content and thus can be served lawsuits. And if, let's say, government officials, I'm not just pinpointing them, I'm just using them as an example. If, say, mm -hmm. government officials levy lawsuits against services like Twitter over and over again for content that they feel like has been attacked, but in reality it's discourse, isn't that a form of censorship against the media platform? It, you know, like I understand to, that I understand that media platforms have gotten very big, and yes, that's yes. a whole different situation. But I'm just talking about the the uh, the problem of discourse. That's what I mean. 
it's it's allowing the companies to basically take us not necessarily have to take a stance on something that's being said on their platform uh, the the openness of Twitter is the fact that you are able to basically have open discourse with whomever is in there it, it doesn't you know, having an opinion isn't wrong. You're entitled to have your own opinions. You're entitled to make your opinions. Um, and once you make them public and you post them on a public social platform, uh, you obviously are expecting certain responses and not everybody's going to agree with you. Having a company that hosts that information monitor or I would say, uh, you know, just monitor and make sure that only, you know, certain things are shown. At that point, yeah, you're you're forcing their hand into being part of the conversation that they're not really even part of to start with. So, it's it's a tough it's a tough position to be in, but you're right. Changing that type of legislation and allowing um, them to be able to say, "Look, you need to be able to monitor the things," it could kind of, if you think about it, work both ways, um, for and and against the 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 existing you know situation that we have, because everybody's tweets is up for grabs at that point. If they're going to monitor and police things, they're going to monitor and police everything, and the only thing that's going to happen is another social network will come on that has less restrictions and people can jump onto it. So those are the only things. Because uh, right now, I think. We need to be able to actually voice our opinions. And if there's too much of it, you need to be able to actually uninstall the app like you did last time. Just turn off social media, relax, don't have to deal with it. Uh, but the way things are going right now, we just I think it's just is such a, I would say it's such a charged year, if you think about it, with the things that are going on. And of course, the end of the year coming up very quickly. Um, we just need to let things be and let people be able to say their things. His opinions have been on there for quite some time. Not one of them has been removed to introduce companies and uh, you know to be, have them police things what what is the opinion going to be at that point once you know if something something gets taken down because an agree, you know they didn't agree with a certain thing that it was said i don't yeah, think that's fair yeah and even then it's it's um all of the content that has been let's say any content that twitter has given uh, i'll use the word flags but has sort mm -hmm. of added their 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 uh their their touch upon all that content is still there it's still mm -hmm. there and they're just adding to it and it's it, it it's hoping to provide a balanced look at a topic now to just put this out there I mean, this is because you know i've 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 followed a couple of other stories over the last couple of months regarding um you know i don't mean to i don't mean to make things too heavy but there have been a couple of uh, unfortunate situations around the world regarding like suicides um and uh cyberbullying and stuff like that mm -hmm. And to people who might think that this particular Twitter phenomenon is something that only happens to, let's say, this administration or to Trump, this is stuff that happens all over the place. Like the idea mm -hmm. that you can remove content because it violates terms and conditions that you implicitly agree to when you use their platform. The fact that terms and conditions could mean that content is taken down has been happening. There have been a ton. Hanakimura. Hanakimura, the young 22-year-old wrestler from Terrace House who, who, who took her own life, there were so many cyberbullying things that were being levied against her. And on Twitter, a lot of that stuff was being reported and thus taken down. So yes. there is there are supposed to be checks and balances for certain things if the people want it. So mm -hmm. that's what Twitter is providing, I feel, in doing that. Now, in, in providing those tools, I mean. But, you know, that's, that's, that's just sort of where I come from with all of that. Like, you know, the block button the report button and the mute button are all there for a reason and yes like you can argue that for some people using those tools means that you don't get the whole story but at the same time isn't that exactly what we're talking about when we talk about freedom and free speech is the ability to react the way that we feel right to react to things that happen 
to us. Exactly. Uh, if you want to be part of the conversation, you can. And if you don't, you have the ability of stepping out of it and just continuing on your own experience throughout the uh, the actual UI. You're right. Th- those those are controls that I think a lot of people don't realize that, yeah, we use them on a daily basis and we don't always agree with what we see. You're right. Exactly. And you yeah. can actually see less often certain things if you don't agree with it as well. I, I know that there are gray areas for all of these things. Like Twitter has to pick their battles, for example. And this one, they, mm-hmm. they did pick. This is a battle. They picked it. Um, but at the same time, you know, we all have the ability to report things that we know is specifically harmful. And mm-hmm. on the topic of picking battles, there was that tweet from earlier this morning regarding the Minnesota, the Minnesota riots, uh, where they were saying that the tweet actually does in some ways violate the terms and conditions because it incites it, 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 it seemed to, I think the term that the news, uh, was saying was it glorifies violence or it says oh, yeah. like it's inciting it. It's making it very clear that violence is the next step. And that was when Twitter was like, okay, we better put some sort of like, you know, kind of a flag on here. If we talk about, uh, in other situations, like with Hanakimura tweets that were saying about uh, tweets that were talking about how Hanakimura took her own life were flagged because no one wants to trigger suicidal thoughts. And in this case, triggering violence, you know, and yeah, it's, it's, I, I get it. It's, it's tough. It's hard to navigate this because we live in such a democratized informational world. Um, mm-hmm. So everyone has an opinion on how this should be handled, but I don't know, I guess just speaking the pure opinion, just from my personal opinion, I'm glad that there is, and there is some sort of attempt to try because I think yeah. we have to try. We have to try and make sure that information is what is um, given the spotlight rather than just opinion and feeling. Yeah. Uh, Keep it straight I'm, about I'm, the facts. I'm guilty, of, I'm guilty of operating based on feeling. I, I will admit it right now. I am guilty of, of that. But I try my best to actually tr- to, to get facts and whatnot, which is why I had all of these stories pulled up. And I'm only really going off of what you know those situations are saying. Like I followed the Hanukimura situation in particular, and it sucks that cyberbullying is still a thing. And now we have this Twitter thing, and now they're trying. If you're going to use the word policing, okay, but they're trying to they're trying to provide perspective. They're trying to provide tools yeah. to gain perspective, and we what we all need right now is perspective. That's just my thought. <laughs> no, no, and and you have a point. It, this is no different than, like you said, either hitting the mute button or you know unfollowing or blocking or anything like that. It's a tool that you, as a viewer, as a reader, are able to select, and you also have the ability of listening to if this is something that appeals to you. So the the understanding of what we get there is it lets us monitor and police our own experience that we get out of this ecosystem and not let Twitter manage what we see. With the exception of those cases that you were talking about when it comes to basically inciting or basically popularizing certain negative uh, you know, experiences or even just talking about sensitive subjects in a way where it glorifies them. So I think we should just appreciate what we have and understand that tw- everybody gets a slightly different experience out of Twitter or Facebook or social media than everybody else. It's based purely on your own personal opinions and understanding and how you see the world. And that's how it's tailored. But it gives you the option to monitor it and basically tailor it to that experience. Uh, it's just it's hard when when it becomes a, a, a basically a 
I would say political a little bit, which really shouldn't be. This should not be part of the story. But it's also not the first time that Twitter's been uh, involved in political situations. I think because it's such an open environment where people can voice their opinions as exactly as, as they feel, it's always going to have that uh, that kind of uh, I would say maybe attack that comes with it. It's always going to be in the news for something like that, and I think that's why we kind of appreciate it. We come back to Twitter because we can see people's true opinions and how things are, and we can also see the story from both sides, our side and somebody else's, if we choose to. So, yeah. Uh, ho- hopefully, it. My hope essentially is that this essentially just end up being more of a you know we talked about it, nothing comes out of it, and just we keep moving forward because. Uh, if it does end up being uh, basically you know, used or actually applied, this has a lot of ramifications, not just to Twitter, but every social media platform that is, you know, that we all use, even even the, uh, um, I would say, <laughs> the person that's intending to actually have this thing uh, monitored, again, they'll fall under the same rules that uh, they're trying to invoke. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, I mean, and <laughs> what's to stop? You know what? I was about to say something. Okay, I'll say. It. Yeah. Uh, let's, it, what's to stop somebody from suing Twitter because of something the president said? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. What? What? And and, and why? Why allowing things to go? But I think it's at the end of the day. Um, my hope essentially is this is just basically to grab headlines and that we're able to move on, and then you know things kind of just move on as as things in the past. My that's my hope. But we'll have to yeah. see how things go. All right. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to make sure we spent a little bit of time with it. I know that yeah. right now there's this whole phenomenon on social media of people like, you know, you should use your platform, you should speak up, you should do stuff. Well, unfortunately, you know, this may not be the platform to talk about what's going on in Minnesota, what's going on in New York, what's going on in, in, in plenty of places that are socially happening. But um, I just want to put out there, I hope everybody is finding ways of staying safe, uh, taking care yeah. of each other. Uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, and of course, you know, even on social media, like just try to take care of one another. There have been so many stories over the last week or so. And yeah, like navigating through all of that is, it's not been easy for anybody. And I don't think it has been. So exactly. No, it's, it's hard. It's hard. This week's definitely, um, there's a lot of going on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get into one more break and then we'll get to uh, the device of the moment. I, I mean, I had to get TK on because he's one of the well, I wouldn't say few because there are there are a certain amount of people who have their hands on the Xperia One Mark II, but you are one of yeah. them, and I'm like I'm super jealous. And to, to be to, for the record, Jaime is jealous too. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I it was yeah no I feel feel very blessed and um, you know lucky in this situation, but yeah, hopefully uh, we're able to we'll we'll chat more, we'll talk more about it. Let's do it. All right, let's get into our final break, and then we'll talk Xperia. Okay, I have, I always have a particular thought when it comes to the experience, and I think this is this yeah. is kind of where I want to this is kind of where I want to start it because I've been in this I've been in this industry for a while. I've seen Sony go from the Xperia. It used to be letters, right? It was supposed to be the Xperia yeah, Z. Z. Yeah, Z. The Xperia Z. Yeah, the Xperia <laughs> X. Z, Z, a y? Sorry, there was an Xperia Y, right? I'm trying there, to remember. Yeah, there's a, there's a Y. There's a Z. There's an X E Y. There's a Z. There, and then you know, obviously now there's an X. So there's a lot of Sony's. There's no question about it. Yes, the alphabet is uh, 
or the the remaining few letters of the alphabet has, has been their playground for the last <laughs> few years. <laughs> that's, that's all and, I say. and the thought that I have every time a new Xperia is announced, the first thought I have is I'm not going to get that because like they just don't they don't talk to us in that way. Like this is one of the few times with the Xperia One Mark II that Sony has actually reached out on mass and started sending out review units. Yeah. Um, so it's rare. Let me just say, like the last few years. Heard nothing. Even when I was with Android Authority, heard nothing. Like, it's just not the case. But now it is. And every time an Xperia is announced, released, or whatever, um, they always look so similar. Like, that's my first thought. The, the, the design, it, but it's uniqueness. It's what makes an Xperia an Xperia. When you see it, it doesn't look like anything else other than its previous generations. So I think they're, they're kind of like feeding into that aesthetical look of the Xperia that basically candy bar style. I mean, they kind of started it, right, with the original, the Z or the Z. Um, I actually still have the Z2 sitting somewhere over there with T-Mobile. So yeah, there's no question. Even back then, that phone looks very much close to what what the new um, Xperia 1 Mark II looks like. So the, the design definitely looks like really nice, but it's unique to Xperia. So I think I, I, I would give them a pass if they're as long as they're giving us the features we want. <laughs> yeah. And if looking around the body, like I can already, I mean, I don't have it. You're the one who has it. But looking around the body, there is one feature in the set that I think most of us, I would say, really appreciate. And that's a physical camera button. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, it's not only just a button, it's also half press to focus and an actual shoot. So it's really trying to give us, um, I would say, the, uh, the, the, basically the alpha series of camera style of equipment, a dedicated button with a semi-press for focusing, a dedicated camera application for cinema as well as photography. Now we actually, they're getting a lot more um, into giving you more pro tools, not just pro, uh, pro cameras, but pro tool software like the Cinema Pro and the Camera Pro built into it. So I really like yeah. the fact that they're paying attention to their prosumers, of course. What What's the, uh, so you mentioned earlier on the show, uh, 21 by 9 aspect ratio. In the notes yeah. here, I called it an acute, acute uh, aspect ratio because it's more, it's a more narrow device, right? Like it's a very It is very narrow. much, yeah, no, very much. And they've been doing it for some time, but we're starting to notice also other manufacturers getting closer to that form factor, right? So we saw OnePlus, they're definitely going in closer to that. It's not exactly, uh, you know, 21 by nine, they're more like the 19 and a half by nine or 18 and a half by nine. You're getting thinner devices, easier to hold in one hand, uh, and of course, more cinema-wide experience. And that's the, the, the form factor that they're going with. They're calling it the 4K HDR OLED cinema-wide display. Long title, basically, um, you know, movie style display to be able to watch your content in the way they were shot, not cropped, not zoomed in, just exactly in the wide view. So basically a wide display for your phone. Mm. Uh, and how's the uh, how has the experience been with that with that particular type of screen? I imagine I'm trying to remember what's the size of the screen, because it doesn't seem like a very large device. It isn't. It isn't. I think it's a 6.5 or 6.8 inch display. So it's actually not super wide, super tall. It's mostly tall. That's the main difference mm -hmm. on it. It's just a taller form factor. <laughs> and of course, much easier to, <laughs> I got to plug in, you know, Goku's always my guy. We, we had these conversations. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, no, definitely. It, the the aspect ratio is just allowing it to be slightly taller. It's again, no different than a standard wide angle display. If you get an ultra wide, um, you'll notice that a 27 inch ultra wide looks wider than really when you get, when you're looking at a standard 27 inch, that's more of a 16 by nine aspect ratio as just the way they dial it. But it, it's nice, it's actually really good. And um, I like the fact that we actually have a swipe down to open notification in the uh, on the UI. Mm. So it's natively built into support the fact that we can never reach the top with one finger, so with one hand, I mean. And this one's got the, um, 
I should have pulled up a photo here, but this one has the, it's it's bezel, right? It's not hole punch or it's not notch. No, yeah, no, exactly. So uh, you could you could see the there is no hole punch at the top. This is basically the lock. Let's go ahead and unlock the device. And um, the home screen. If I can stop playing games, sorry. I was playing Call of Duty <laughs> Mobile before we talk before we start talking. So yeah, definitely a bezel. No teardrop. There's no concerns, and obviously throws the colors in the back because the iPhone now has to fix the colors but yeah uh no no teardrop just bezels on the top and bottom they're minimal they're not bad and what we're getting here essentially is just a good experience from the sense of when you're playing games uh the this the bezels are sitting on the side and of course the display is very nice and wide so it works great when call of duty PUBG, fortnite um almost every game that i've played here played well with the exception i think um i forgot which game there was one game that just would not play well and it just kind of cropped it in in the middle I forget the name of it. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, Breakneck. So if you've ever played Breakneck, it's actually it's a preloaded game. Breakneck? Okay. Interesting name. It's, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned earlier some gaming features for this phone. Like, does it have like 90, does it have like a high refresh rate or what are some of the other features like for gaming? So for gaming, from a gaming standpoint, uh, what the Xperia 1 Mach 2 offers us a few things. A, we have a larger battery than what we had last year. So we were up to a 4,000 milliamp battery from the 3330 from the Xperia 1. Um, we have a fast charging with 18 watt power, uh, power delivery charging with the provided cable and the charger in the box. So definitely really easy to charge. Uh, and then when it comes to the actual display, some of the things they've done here is on top of the fact that they're still using the 4K OLED HDR panel, they've oh, added basically... Yeah, so the display has always been a 4K display, even last year's. It adapts to the content that you're playing. So if it needs to be 4K, it runs at that resolution. And if it's not, it dro drops down to 1080. So it tries to save you battery. Uh, but the new thing that they've added here is that because most displays, at least with the 4K panel, are only at 60 frames per second, they weren't able to provide, you know, obviously in 2020, everybody's doing, you know, 90 and 120. And as we talked before, 144. Um, they weren't able to do that with the display. So what they're doing is a motion blur, basically very much similar to what OnePlus is doing on the 8 Pro, where it, they're trying to basically upscale the, the basically the motion graphics on a display and reduce the blur effect so that it seems or feels like it's 90 hertz. So it's still a 60 hertz panel, um, but it's trying to emulate a 90 hertz panel uh, with the motion blur feature. So you're able to get that experience. And it's noticeable. I just, I don't personally feel like it's true 90 hertz. I mean, if I put it next to the OnePlus 8, I can see where 90 hertz definitely is a lot faster. Yeah. Um, on top of that, they also upgraded the Game Enhancer. That's the native game uh, center that they have built into the Xperia. They've added a few new features. Uh, one of which is really cool is uh, basically the HS Control uh, is essentially giving us the ability of doing heat, uh, basically suppression on the battery to extend the battery life. If you want to be able to play extended gaming sessions while plugged in, but don't want to get that overheating factor, as you know, playing games, if you plug it in, um, you're consistently asking the device to perform at a very high uh, level but at the same time charging it and those two kind of generate a lot of heat so reducing the heat on the charging factor allowing the device to run off power allows us to actually reduce the temperatures and of course makes it a little bit more mm. comfortable playing longer sessions and no other fact no other device on the market has that right now and they would just nicely just put it in there looks really nice <laughs> Um, and of course, they also included the front-facing camera uh, for video recording. So native video recording is still there, but we also now have the ability of including front-facing camera so you can insert yourself into the game. So well, yeah, I covered a I, lot of that stuff in the gaming video I did, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's something that I've wanted to try doing on 
uh, gaming forward phones is like just doing gaming content, like playing a mobile game and just doing a 20 minute video on that or something like that. And you, you, you did with the, <laughs> with, <laughs> was it PUBG you said, or was it Call of Duty? So uh, I did a couple of things. The first, I did two videos on the gaming one. Uh, the first one, basically where I played PUBG, Call of Duty, and I basically like about maybe 10, Fortnite, of course, and all, so a few other games. Um, and the second one that I did with the heat control, the uh, the HS, the heat suppression function that we have in there, I did that purely was an hour and a half, just straight PUBG. And I kept going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like I go in, if I get killed, I go back in, I go back in, I keep going, keep going. But the whole time I was basically uh, playing different scenarios where I ran the device without the HS control on and no power and then turn on HS control, they making sure to keep track of battery, stats, performance, any issues. So just explaining the benefit of having that feature in there. And, and I also, why I think other manufacturers should be copying this thing right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So a quick rundown on any other specifications. Um, Snapdragon 865. Um, yeah, of course. Was there, a, uh, was there a headphone jack on this one? And not only a headphone jack, a DAC-supported headphone jack. And um, I can't remember the specific name of the brand that it was there. But yes, we do have a, a basically, it's it's a good, let me just say this. It's a good headphone jack with a DAC, but it's not as good as the V60. So let's put it this mm. way. V60 still holds the crown. And I feel like this is definitely a good, uh, basically, uh, offering from Sony. It's a high-quality DAC. Sounds good. Um, although I feel like there's a, I feel like the V60 still just ever so nicely sits right up there. So built in and wireless charging, of course. Uh, Built-in wireless charging on a glass pa panel. Nice. Yeah. It's funny, like, because I feel like one of the reasons why people still wistfully look at Sony phones in particular is because you can, you know that Sony has so many divisions that kill it in every little bit. You got a great gaming division in PlayStation. You got Walkman. You got these audio ones. You got the Bravia TVs. And a Bravia feature did make it onto the phone, it seems, with that motion smoothing. But yeah. yeah. The, uh, like all of these different divisions that do really good stuff. And then, of course, you have the Alpha team, which is all for cameras. So And they, uh, it's, they had a big hand into this device. Yeah, definitely. So let's let's talk about that a little bit, because one of the one of the first things I wanted to say, just as far as the hardware uh, side is concerned, we have a lot of phone cameras these days that have like the high megapixel counts, 48, 64. Um, what's the highest we've gone to? 108. 108. And, yeah, uh, it's. Those those large sensors with so many megapixels are very beneficial, especially for photos. It's the phenomenon yep. called pixel binning. Hmm. Uh, but if video is going to be your um, your focus, then you might not want to have so many megapixels that it has to condense down that data. Um, that's why a large sensor at, let's say, 12 megapixels is what's a little bit more preferred. And I feel like yep. uh, Sony put that philosophy in on the Xperia 1 too. So I wanted to ask, like, how's the camera been? People in the chat are already asking. Um, how is Sony, manufacturer of camera hardware across the, the smartphone sphere, how are they doing with their own device? I have to say that, so the best way to explain it is you kind of touch base with the different divisions that Sony has. Uh, this definitely looks like the, the alpha team sat down with the Sony mobile team and said, um, let's fix this. Let's get this working and let's make this as good as, let's say, an RX7 100. Let's make this as good as an, uh, an A7 III. If you've used the Sony ecosystem when it comes to cameras, either, you know, small form factor or full, SL, you know, digital SLRs, um, those are the, the improvements that we've seen brought over. Last year's Cinema Pro app was a good app to use. Uh, the cameras that we had there obviously are very similar. There's still three 12 megapixel sensors, but the sensors that we have now are bigger sensors, as you said. And not only that, we also have the ability of using Cinema Pro as well as Camera Pro. So the Pro mode that we had last year as a native app or 
I would say the standard camera applications mode. It was a mode in there. So you had the ability of controlling a few options. Now actually looks and feels exactly as if you're using a camera that is essentially a Sony camera. So launching it is very simple. You press and hold the power button. Well, not the power, the camera initiation button. And you're automatically greeted into basically an experience as to what a normal Sony menu looks like. So let's go ahead and open it up in here. Uh, you're able to basically change the aperture, the white balance, oh, the control. Wow. Um, you have uh, basically different modes from auto, manual, as well as uh, basically shutter priority. And of course, the PC, uh, P setup all the way up to basically being able to customize uh, basically a, a focus pulling. Like rack, if you're ever set up in video in uh, Cinema Pro, um, setting up a focus level and is just basically doing a, the focus pull, jumping from an A and B and doing that smooth buttery transition. On top of the fact that they also introduced 4K60 finally. Last year, that was one thing that we kind of all wanted. Why didn't we get it? 4K60 in Cinema Pro and uh, the control level down to project-based experience. Um, I, I always say this about Sony devices, and I think a lot of us like to compare them to like your average camera on a device, let's say uh, any other device that has, as you said, a lot of those on the market. Sony's truly driving to provide a unique experience. It's a prosumer camera style of an experience on a smartphone. They're trying to bring in their alpha experience to their smartphone and provide it to people. And that's why we have two separate apps or three separate apps, a standard auto mode camera that does video and does 4K 30. And then you have Cinema Pro for 4K 60, uh, that, you know, color grading, uh, photo, photo uh, photography level, advanced level tools in the Camera Pro. And nice. honestly, I'm in love with it. I, and I just... <laughs> The weird thing that I wanted to, I didn't really want to say too much of it, but my time with the Sony uh, is actually coming to an end within the next few days. So unfortunately, I I have, yeah, I didn't realize it was a uh, timed experience, but uh, I'm, I I will be like with everybody else on Monday morning if, if they're excited about the device as much as I am, putting in a pre-order for it. And I'm going to try to see if I can get a purple one because I really like the color purple on that one. So we have... Um it's great to see that software is actually software. Sony. I, Sony. Someone someone <laughs> said software in the chat and made me say that. Um, it's it's good to see that Sony is actually putting a lot of effort into it. Like, where would you mm -hmm. where would you sort of equate the level of effort that Sony's putting into like their video camera and the Video Cinema Pro app and whatnot to the kinds of things that other companies are doing, trying to make phones that are made for creators? Because we we throw that term around all the time, and I know LG is probably the the main example. They're saying yeah, that their no. phone is made for creators. They have the best video manual mode and whatnot. But you show me that interface, and I'm like, how come no one's thought of this? Like, okay, a great example would be this one. The uh, Great example would be the Black Shark 3 Pro because mm -hmm. it's just not quite so conducive to have an interface that almost takes up the entire screen <laughs> when there might be a ton of controls that you need to access, but they're all locked behind like little menu items. Exactly. So to have those controls, you know, even if the viewfinder is, let's say, a third of this size, which it seems to be kind of on the Xperia 1, 2, that makes perfect sense and only, to me. Like, only just, in preview, by the way. Once you start shooting, it actually expands. So you're oh, really? in the preview setting when you're setting up the configuration. So let me show you what I mean. So here, we're going to jump into Cinema Pro. So I'll go ahead and launch the Cinema Pro application. And uh, sorry for the actually exposure. It's not set for the exposure. It was set for outdoors. Um, when you start shooting the video, so let's go ahead and start it right there. You notice the viewfinder gets bigger. 
So it's not mm-hmm. limited. You're only limited in that sense when you want to see all these controls. But once you start working on a video, you're in that setting. Obviously, you pretty much set everything. And this is truly intended to be, I feel like, um, set to be worked with a tripod because you're supposed to set it, compose your subject or compose your scene, actually. Sorry, your subject obviously is in it. Compose it, set the aperture, set the white balance, set all the different settings. And then once you start shooting, it expands the viewfinder to make it more functional for you to use. The one thing you want to keep in mind, though, is all of these features that we're talking about are only available on the main sensors on the back. This does not apply to any of the sensors on the front. So both Camera Pro and Cinema Pro only work on the the best sensors that we have on the Xperia 1 Mach 2. So that's the intention. Not that the front facing is not a good camera. Uh, it's an 8 megapixel camera, so obviously it's not trying to be the best. But for a casual selfie or a quick picture or video, you know, Instagram live type of stuff, it should be fine. Uh, but for photography level... Yeah, they're focusing on their their good cameras. I do think that there's a hole there because for the majority of people out there who might, well, okay, then again, would, okay, then this is a specific question and this is kind of, this is kind of how I think of it because anybody that goes to my channel uh, knows that I I, I view things through this lens. So if you're going to talk about who this phone is for, isn't it kind of a bummer that a creator forward phone is not geared towards, let's say the TikToker? You know, because the front-facing camera is not that great. Like, and and yeah. but those are those are the people that, if they were to put a little bit of effort into improving that part of the phone, they'd probably scoop it up. Because if the main sensor and those apps are all doing so well for creative endeavors, why not put a little bit more towards like the general user who might be on TikTok, for example? So the the, the approach that we're looking at it, I think we're we're trying to. Th- I think we're trying to brush Sony with the same brush as we brush other devices that are generally known for like focusing on the front facing camera. This is truly trying to give you a, so if we jump over to maybe switching over on the the end, like you and I use obviously DSLRs or SLRs as far as our make cameras. Uh, Personally, I use the a7 III and the GH5. Those are our cameras that when we go out to make content and we are trying to produce, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> this camera that you're looking there does not have a front-facing camera, right? If you're going to use that camera, you're going to use either an external display or if it has a flippy display like the... Yeah, exactly. Those are the things that you think of when you're using a, t- a tool like that. And I think those are the things that Sony's focusing on with the Xperia 1 Mach 2. I don't think they're making it for the TikToker. This is not going to be a phone for TikTok production, um, you know, front-facing video, you know, like that. I think the V60 does a great job with the front-facing camera. 4K60, and I think that's one of the main strengths that we see there. This is truly intended to be a camera rig in a form, in a form factor of a phone. So... For me, the way I would I would use it, because that was something that Juan and I were talking about, and I've been kind of pondering that experience. Our device, not okay, so the Xperia 1 Mach 2 not only supports external audio from USB audio, but also 3.5mm inputs. But also, it supports an external display. You can hook up an external monitor to this thing, watch oh yourself <laughs> as you're recording. I'm telling you, the, the, the level of tools that we have with this camera, it's truly trying to be that SLR in a phone form. So that's why I feel like if you're thinking of it as... I need this to be able to make great TikTok. This isn't going to be for you. If you want to be able to have a, a basically, you know, you're focused too much on the front-facing camera and you don't like using the back sensors for, you know, taking selfie or portrait because you obviously a lot of us have been doing that. I think this is maybe maybe not necessarily too focused there. It's great at gaming. It's great at photography, but it's truly trying to drive the creator to be behind the camera more so than in front of it. So that's the experience. It's really intended for you as a content creator on YouTube. 
not necessarily you as the, you know, when I mean you, it's the general you, Josh, not necessarily just you. Uh, as the TikTok creator <laughs> yeah, or Instagram I'm, I'm the live tryhard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I, I, I mean, you know what I mean. It. I think this is intended to be if you, if you have to go to a show and you're trying to cover it, but f- you know, for some reason or another, you forgot the battery for one of your SLRs and you need to be able to jump in and take some really good f- uh, footage of that uh, of that device or that stu- uh, that whatever you're looking for. The you know the Xperia One Mach Two should be able to step in quite easily as your SLR would be able to. And I think that's the intention yeah. here. And I mentioned that I'm I'm a bit of a tryhard because even if the front facing camera is not great, I, I am the kind of person that would like, oh, there's a wide angle camera. Cool. I'll just turn it around and that's how I'll do my vlogging. <laughs> we always do that, right? We always rely, I mean, even though we use the front facing camera at the end of the day, when we really want some of that good footage, we realize that 90% of the work has always been done on the back. And of course, the device that we have here is the triple camera setup that we have. They're essentially intended to uh, mirror, and they put that in the app even, you know, 24 millimeter, 16 millimeter, and 70 millimeter. They're not referring to them in, in the 12 megapixel. They're telling you, again, exactly, if you've like ever that. used lenses and you understand focal, you know, that focal length, you know exactly what they're trying to shoot for. So, uh, yeah, very that makes much- a lot of sense. And I love that that's the way that it's, it's being described because, like you said, like if you can... I didn't even know that you could connect an external monitor. So literally, yeah, yeah. if I were to have like the phone right here, and I go to the rear camera of the uh, the rear camera of the Instagram app, and then mm-hmm. have the external monitor showing me, okay, I look like I'm framed well, and then I can, and then I can record the video or even do a live. Like that's oh wow, that's so interesting. And, and the microphones are actually really good too. I, I noticed that the uh, noise cancel, not noise cancellation, but wind reduction is also very nice. Um, so I appreciate the fact that they've done a lot of work. And like I said, those are things that we wanted to see more of on the Xperia One, but they brought in so much of it here. And so once you get your hands on it, uh, like I said, uh, it should be really good. I think it's it's not going to disappoint, but it is intended to be a prosumer type of a, a tool, not meant to necessarily just be you know, just be a good gaming only phone, but it's good at gaming. Great. And the battery is bigger. So, and it definitely lasts a lot longer than we had it before. Yeah. So that, I feel like that kind of segues into the the question we have right now, which is from Jahedul um, Sheik. Uh, can you talk about the price? We will, we will say what the price is, but I want to preface it by saying, um, do you think that those features though, a prosumer camera in a phone, does that yeah. justify what basically is the price of a Galaxy S20 Ultra? <laughs> the best way to describe it with a Sony phone, I would say, is this. Um, if, you, if you think of it as a smartphone and you're trying to compare it to the S20 Ultra, I'm not saying it's not a... Comp- obviously, it's a smartphone. They have to be... They're in the same space. They're, they exist in the same space. But because of the way the focus is shifted on this camera and the way this device is put together, I look at it as if you're comfortable paying $1,000 on an RX7 100 that just comes out, 1000 or 1200 bucks for a, an SLR type of a camera... And you never think twice about it when Sony releases. Like for me, when the RX7, the Mach 7, the RX7 100 Mach 7 came out, um, I was hands down. I jumped over that one because it had an input for, a three, you know, audio input via three and a half millimeter headphone jack. And for me, I never thought about the fact that it was $1,000. I knew that I was buying a Sony and I knew that I was going to be getting that beautiful footage. Uh, I mean, there was limited, obviously, concerns there with the flippy display, so on. And I look at it, it's in the same situation with the Sony. You're buying the phone because you're expecting alpha-level equip, uh, equipment when it comes to camera photography. You're expecting 4K display. You're expecting uh, great gaming with a 21 by 9 aspect ratio, wireless charging, headphone jack with zero lag. When it comes to gaming is absolutely crucial for any gamer. 
and of course extended battery control with the heat suppression built in those are things that really have to you have to kind of factor in you don't see those at the lower price point and i think yeah. it justifies the price it, it, it but again it depends also on whomever is considering it if 1200 is too much then obviously it's been priced outside of their market price yeah, so if it's like $1,000 or more, it just keeps striking me as an interesting prospect because coming from somebody who uses, and I, I showed off my GH5 a second ago, yeah. has an anamorphic lens on there with a follow focus system because it's an manual lens. Um, yes, like it, if those things are your priority, then obviously something like the Xperia 1 Mark II makes perfect sense. It might Absolutely. make it worth it for you, which is funny because just a couple of months ago, uh, we were wondering whether or not 100 times zoom <laughs> was enough to make the S20 Ultra worth it, and I think yeah. the I, th I think by and large most people are saying not really. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it, it was a good. Uh, I mean, yeah, no. At the end of the day, uh, you know, telescopic lenses are interesting, especially when they're on mobile devices. I mean, if you're using them on your camera, they're a different. It's very different. It's an actual lens. It's intended. Zoom lenses are there. They're meant for that. They're not, a, you know, the size of a small sandwich, kind of like a, a phone uh, that's put together. Um, I think it's a nice thing to have. Is it realistic? Not really. Do we ever take pictures at that level and think that this going to be, uh, you know, working for us? Like I said, it's a nice thing to have. I, I would appreciate more having great video um, and maybe one, maybe up to 10 times zoom using such a large sensor and giving us that really buttery smooth, crisp uh, footage because you're able to take so much input or so much information with it uh, than to basically buy it only for the fact that it can go 100 times, you know, space zoom. I think that's what they call it, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm totally into it. And I'm sure our audience just realized that my, my key light went out, uh, <laughs> ran out of battery. I mean, I do have my desk lamp, so I could go for like interrogation style, but <laughs> <laughs> all right. But you know yeah, what? Just yeah. like if we were working in an office and the lights go out, that means that we should probably call it on this episode. We have, we did have a little bit of extra stuff to talk about at the end here. If people were going to ask about uh, other Sony things, but it doesn't look like there's too much of that. Um, we will mention though, I don't know if you did this TK. I was thinking of doing this with the Xperia one Mark two, uh, but mm -hmm. Given the price I did, I'm holding off for a little bit. Uh, for now, I went ahead and got, I already pre-ordered the ZV-1, <laughs> uh, Sony's okay. little vlogging yeah, yeah, yeah. cam. <laughs> so for I for me, I, I looked at that, and um, for me, realistically, it doesn't really offer me too much more than what the, uh, again, with the RX-7 uh, RX Mach, Mach 7. So for me... Obviously, with the exception of the flippy, the, the display is a big seller for me, which I felt like was really good. Um, and I think so overall, it, it's a great camera. So I saw Saf covering it. I saw, I think, uh, David Kogan was covering it too. So that was really mm -hmm. nice. So I was very intrigued. But then when I looked at it, um, you know, maybe let's just do that. I'll see, I'll see what you say about it. And then we'll see if you convince me because I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, You've convinced me to buy things <laughs> too many times in the past. So we'll have to see. <laughs> It's okay. The feeling's mutual, and I'm still waiting for an Atom Mini to become available. It's still sold out. Um, oh man, yeah, no. I, I I I've been looking around, and even the Pro is sold out. So yep, it, it, it's crazy how good these things are. 
Well, Jahidul uh, uh, is saying I would love to see a pocket now review of the phone. So would I. I would be happy to review that phone, but uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know if I can just justify $1,000 when I've already bought a lens, a follow focus system. Like, you know, <laughs> I've been trying to experiment with some stuff. I'm still on the fence about keeping this particular rig, uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, I've already put some money into some other places, including the ZV-1. And the reason why I thought about it was because as I was looking at the camera, I was like, okay, it is a good vlogging thing. I personally am mm-hmm. still always going to adore my micro four thirds cameras because they're just small enough for what i want even if it's not as small as a zv1 it gets me the results i want and i just adore the the olympus in particular um but then i thought you know what what if i did a video of what i did what if i did a review let's say by the time it comes out by the time it gets in my hands i mean i don't know maybe we'll have pixel 4a's i don't know but let's say i do my review of the pixel 4a completely shot on the zv1 that'd be an interesting angle to see how it actually works in that capacity so that's why i'm like okay i think i'm gonna try it that way um and like with anything perfectly free to return it if i decide i don't want it after all I, so, I think we'll the see. way you, I think with the approach that you've you've been doing uh, recently with the trying to be more minimalistic in your setup and your uh, in your mobile setup, I feel like I think that's going to be a really good piece of tech to to actually keep around, mostly because of the versatility that it offers, the flippy display, the audio, and of course the Sony science when it comes to color and and all of that. So I. I'm really looking forward to checking out your coverage. As I saw, as I said, Saf and David uh, put together those videos. They look great, uh, but I like your style of uh, videos as well. So looking forward to it. Thank you for that. And also, it's funny because David Kogan actually, like unsolicited, he put out his video on the ZV-1, his walkthrough, and then he sent it to me. And he said, you're the first person I thought when I saw this camera. <laughs> I was like, wow, I guess I really have carved out my little niche as like uh, the vlogger of our group <laughs> it, it is and and you could definitely appreciate it. i mean we we see that in your social uh, obviously in your posts and so on so it's part of the lifestyle that is the jv tech t so that's you know and and of course pocket now here yeah well i mean not to make it all about me i want everybody to make sure to check out tk all over the place tk go ahead and let everybody know where to find you also whenever your next video on the xperia one two is because you're gonna you know give it back in a few days make sure you let them know when to expect that so um Easy to find me, TK Bay. Uh, I'm actually literally all over the internet, but uh, just type in TKBAY. Uh, you can find me on my own personal YouTube channel. Uh, you'll find some, uh, actually, a massive ar- archive of videos as well on XDA developers. Uh, also, Tarek Bay on the Arabic channel. And lastly, TKDSL8655 on both well, Instagram, Twitter, as well as Facebook. I'm not as active on Facebook. But um, speaking of the Xperia, Right before we started this video, I did put, uh, push out the video about that HS control function um, on uh, YouTube. So that's going to be part two of my gaming review. Um, I had a lot of questions on that one. And then I'll be shooting a lot of B-roll content this weekend uh, before I have to sh- uh, you know, return the phone on Monday. Uh, so that I'm able to keep the story going, at least here on the channel, uh, on my channel, uh, while we wait for retail units to become available. As, as I said, I'll be pre-ordering the purple one on Monday. <laughs> nice all right cool well um, everybody thank tk for being here thank you all for being in the live chat we really appreciate you hanging out with us uh at the end of every single week uh even though you know uh weeks might be pretty tough uh, stuff like this us being able to get together very important that way we can actually talk and chat and be able to get a little bit of that mental stress off uh so yeah hopefully we were able to provide that in this particular show and with all that said i'm gonna go ahead and pop into the outro All of the links for TK's various channels and social media handles are found in the show notes. Also there, you can follow me at all of the different links that I have provided. Uh, I am on 
Instagram, and Twitter at JVTechT. You know me, I'm JV, I love tech, and I love to drink me some tea. You can also follow my channel where I do supplementary content to what I do over at Pocket Now. You can find a lot of stuff over there that I get up to at youtube.com slash Joshua Vergara. Pocket Now is found all over social media at Pocket Now, but of course you have the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Pocket Now. Make sure you head over there and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. From there, we're going to go ahead and call it on this one. Thank you again for being a part of our little community and for being around for our show, whether it's on IG Live, IGTV, or right here in your podcasting app. And from there, we're going to go ahead and call it on this one, and we will see you in our next episode.